0: So welcome everyone to the Who Do You Want to Be podcast and I'm excited about our guest today Matt McWilliams and the reason I'm excited to interview Matt is because he's doing an amazing job of helping entrepreneurs to converge their commercial gifts with their passion and Matt welcome today.
1: Hey thanks Louise, thanks for having me.
0: So let me share a little bit about Matt for those of you that have not yet met him. uh, He is living proof that you can pursue your life's passion and create a profitable business as well, which is something that you guys know that we're very passionate about here. And so I've included Matt in our Signature Kingdom Brand Series, which is all about converging your spiritual and your commercial gifts so you can create a brand that's so unique that no one can replicate and compete with it. And that's exactly what Matt has done and helps people do. Uh, So Matt is the best-selling author of the best-selling book, Turn Your Passions into Profits, right up our alley. And he's worked with some of the top entrepreneurs uh, and companies on the planet. So here's a list of names. It's very comprehensive. Uh, Shark Tanks, Kevin Harrington, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, Kim Walsh Phillips, Ryan Leves, Michael Hyatt, Claire Diaz-Ortiz, Lewis Howes, Brian Tracy, Jeff Walker and more. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, So the proof's in the pudding there. Uh, So Matt is here to help you on your quest to turn your passion and your message into a profitable and growing business. And he's been through the startup phase multiple times in the past two decades, has built a following from scratch, which we know is not an easy thing to do. And Matt lives out his passion for helping others find their purpose, passion, message, and a path to profitability, which I love. So welcome. It's so good to have you here. Uh, I know that the book has been doing amazingly well and I've got some great questions to ask you today that I know all of our audience are going to love. Um, And that's what I, you know, when I first met you, I thought, wow, this guy's really filling a need in the market. What I love about what you do, Matt, is that you your business is all around relationship building. It's all around Mm -hmm. genuine connections. And I feel like with all the noise out there, it's so relevant what you do. And I'm excited to talk and ask you about your book because over all these years that I've been working with uh, our high performers, even this whole convergence of being able to turn the passion into something profitable is something that most, especially creative people, struggle with. So yeah. here we go, got a couple of questions for you. Uh, cool. So it is noisy and distracted and it's getting more so.
1: Yeah.
0: So tell tell us how you think people can stand out in, in all the noise.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a line in the book that it, this really resonated with so many people. Uh, when I wrote it, it was one of those things like I knew it would be, I, I mean, it was it was true. You know, but I didn't realize that it would be one of those like iconic lines. It just stood out and, and, and it says, you know, that it, getting noticed has never been easier at any point in human history. Wow. Standing out is harder than ever. So there's a there's a converse relationship between ease of getting noticed and ability to stand out. If you think about like if you go back, you know, 150 years, most people like they didn't know somebody, you know, that wasn't related to them. They never heard of anybody outside of like a three county area. You know, most people would never travel outside of their state, you know, here in the US. Most people, um, you know, you, you I mean you didn't have telephones even. So you didn't even talk to people more than a you know, a few miles away. So getting noticed was hard. You know, you might be well known, you might stand out in your community. And that meant that standing out was really easy because if you were a Thomas Jefferson or John Adams, you know, in, in American history, if you were, you know, uh, uh, you know, a a political leader or an inventor, you know, a Thomas Edison or somebody, then you stood out because standing out was actually pretty easy if you could stand out at all. So there's this inverse relationship. And because of all the noise in the world, because there's millions of blogs, there are tens of millions of YouTube channels, if not hundreds of millions. Now there are you know, tens of millions of influencers on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and yeah. TikTok. And, and, and like you could never, you know, th- there was a joke. Um, I can't remember what movie it was, but somebody they, they reached the end of the internet. <laughs> yeah. You realize that if, if you like, if, if you just took the content that was created in the last minute of your life, the content created in just the last minute of your life. If you spent every waking hour from now until the day of your death and you were 15 years old, 75, 80 years from now, you would not reach all of the content created in the last one minute. You could not consume wow. that. There's not enough time in 80 years of your life to consume one minute's worth of content. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how the question, of course, is how do we stand out? Yeah. So in the book, I give, I give four ways to stand out. The first one is is your style and your personality you know, in your niche, what are some ways with your style and your personality that you can stand out? your writing style, your speaking style, your physical appearance, your clothes even. So if you think about it, if you're in a, in an industry where everybody's in a suit and tie. Yeah. What are the two extremes you could go to from that? You could either take off the tie and and again, you can't, you probably can't be in your industry. If it's suit and tie, you probably can't be like cut off jacket and tattoos yeah. But could you, could you strip off the coat and tie, you yeah. know, and stand out that way? Or could you maybe be in a tux? Uh-huh. Could you be in a, like, think about that would stand yeah. out. If you yeah. think about it in your speaking style, you know, everybody else talks a certain way and you're from the Southern United States. So you kind of talk like this. That's where I'm from.
0: You know, <laughs> oh, I, I love I, the South. It,
1: when it, when, it, when I it to, when, if I go spend six months down South, it'll come out. Uh You know, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm talking like this, because I grew up in North Carolina (laughs) and Tennessee. I love it. So we say things a certain way, you know, and my my mom, you know, my sister, very Southern. So when I hang around them long enough, it starts to come out. So if you, if you sound Southern then lean into that, you're Australian, lean into that. If everybody else in your, in your niche is American. Yeah. Then you know what? Lean into the, you know, the Aussie, 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 yeah, yeah. right? you know, lean yeah. into a little bit. Yeah. So the, the thing is like, and I write about this in the book that there's a, a story I heard from Chris rock, the comedian, Chris rock. And somebody asked Chris after the end of one of his shows, like, are you like this all the time? And he's like, no, I'm not like this all the time. I'm not like me. All what you see on stage is me, but it's three times me.
0: Okay. That's cool.
1: That's the key. Yeah. Be yourself. Cool. But be three times you, whatever that accentuating thing about you is, lean into it. So here's the thing. Even another way, like you can stand out, is your background. You know your your experience, right? Your uh, I say those are two separate things actually. But your experience, the degrees you've won uh, or that you've earned, the, the awards you've won, the places you've worked, your background, your personal background. So your personal background. If you think about that, like if you are a single mom and you're in a niche full of married men, then lean into the fact that you are a single mom. You might only attract five or 10% of the potential audience, but you're going to own that audience. So you're going to tell more stories about your kids and talk about being a single mom. You know, your personal story, what has shaped you is a big deal. And that's a way that like you, you're the only one with your story. I'm the only person that I know of. For example, I'm the only person that I know of that lived with a single mom until he was nine, Wow! grew up mostly in trailer parks and small apartments. I moved 13 times in 14 years. I had childhood epilepsy. Then I moved to live with my dad right when his career took off. And so I joke that I have actually, I only spent four or five years of my life, 43 years, I only spent four or five years in the middle class. (laughs) I grew up poor and then I was wealthy. And so I I grew up in both extremes. I spent very little time. Most people you go for, to go from poor to wealthy, you go through a transition phase of middle-class and never happened for me. So I was exposed to both dramatic ends of the spectrum on, on the socioeconomic scale Mm. and then I played division one golf. And and I, you know, so I was a a college athlete. And so I like, I know all these things. That's unique about my background. And then the last thing you stand out Luis, is your method. So this is your way of doing things. How do you get your message out? Are you gonna write blog posts? Or are you gonna do a podcast? Or are you gonna do videos? If you do a podcast, is it gonna be interview based or solo? Are you gonna do you know really short content? Like are you gonna do maybe Uh, a three-minute daily podcast or video? Are you going to do a once a week longer format? Are you going to use personal stories or case studies? Are you going to sell physical products or digital products? Are you going to have a specific system or not? So when you can dive into those four things, um, and there's exercises at the end of the chapter on that where you can really dive into those four things and say, okay, how am I going to stand out? And then start to lean into those things, your personality, you know, your appearance, your method, your background, your experience, those are how we stand out.
0: So good. I love that you're sharing things that you know most people don't share. And that uniqueness about everyone is such a key because it's intriguing and interesting, isn't it? Everybody's life story and their experiences are so interesting. And I can see that parallel with you, Matt, that when you went from being poor to being rich and now that's reflecting in your what you're doing and how you're helping people that true life experience that you've had is is what's coming out of your mouth it's like gold so it's awesome i'm like writing notes this is so and that's a
1: that's that part of my experience is a great example because very few people have had that life experience yes the reality is most people are middle class you know, that's where 70, 80% of the population is, at least in the United States, which is my primary audience, you know, and, and, you know, Australia and, you know, other English speaking countries are my primary audience. So most of the population is somewhere in the middle class.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And So
1: it's very rare to have that. And when I talk about that, what I talk about is that allowed me to see things from different perspectives. So I have empathy
0: for people who are
1: struggling. Cause I've yeah. been there, done that. Like, I know what it's like to have become, you know, my mom's car was repossessed, repossessed multiple times. Mm. I know what it's like to be evicted. So I have empathy there, but I also saw what was possible. Yeah. You know, like I said, I moved to live with my dad literally about six months before his career just went <laughs> and
0: took wow. off. Wow.
1: And you know, he went from making what was then a pretty average amount of money, you know, mid to upper 40,000, you know, 45, $50,000 a year all of a sudden he was making well into six figures. And so I saw those extremes and it opened my eyes to like, okay, this is how, what it's like, you know, for the first nine years of my life, this is what it's like to live. And then all of a sudden I saw this other side and because of where we were, we lived in Nashville. So I grew up, you know, and he was, he was a golf pro at one of the golf courses. So we grew up surrounded by celebrities too.
0: Yeah. So it was
1: nothing for me. Like it was just second nature to, you know, we'd go to dinner with famous people. Uh, I'd be playing golf all the time with country music stars. And we went to church with, you know, dozens of people who'd won Grammys and stuff like that. It was like, that just became normal yeah. for me. <laughs> and so, And that's a unique perspective on things that opens my eyes, you know, to be able to see things from both perspectives, to see a single mom who struggled and to know what that's like, to again, seeing the flip side. So all those things, but we all have those, whether it's that you grew up with a single mom or you grew up with, you know, two parents, or you grew up with your grandparents or that you, you know, did this in school or you did this in school. I mean, like there's so many things that are unique about your experience. We think our story is kind of boring. Like I never really connected the dots on that Luis until just a few years ago that, you know what, that's kind of cool actually, that I experienced that that's unique yeah, because it was my experience, I just thought it was boring. Like that's the we just we forget. We yeah. go, we listen to books or we read books or we hear podcasts. We hear all these amazing stories and go, "Wow, their life is so incredible." Not even necessarily good. Sometimes we hear stories and go, "Wow, that was so difficult." Yeah, and then we forget the challenges that we faced in our own lives, True. and we True. forget the obstacles that we overcame in our own lives. Like having childhood epilepsy, that was my experience. So. Wow. Going to the doctor every single day to have blood drawn for two years. I didn't right. think anything of that. Then right. I realized, you know what? Most kids don't have to do that. That's
0: right. Yeah, Most yeah.
1: kids don't have to go in and get an EKG or EEG every week. Most kids don't have to take medicine. Most kids don't have to miss out on most sports when they're growing up because their parents are afraid that if they get a, you know, any kind of head trauma, they're going to end up, you know, possibly dead. Like that's, that's not normal. Yeah. I, but it was mind. So start yeah. to think about those things, and there' really there's some really cool ways you can stand out in the marketplace with your story, your background, your method, all those things.
0: That's, that's so great to hear, Matt. And I love that you dug down a bit more into your story because I, I feel like those adversities, those things that you that you go through that are like the valley seasons, I call them, that's actually where you find the goals. It's in those hard times. And the fact that you talk about both sides of the coin, People can relate to you and I feel like people are looking for people who are real, not the high on the mountain, sure. I've got it all together flying around in my jet plane, guys, but the people who they can actually relate to and go, if she can do it or if he can do it, so can I. And so that that journey in the middle is the part that people need to know how to navigate and that adversity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know in my life we've, we've gone through and I told you when I met you, you uh, you know, multiple financial traumas. And that caused me to learn how to create income quickly, but I had to do the work to to shift myself emotionally. And I love what you said about how you went to live with your dad and you experienced this different world, because I feel like one of the biggest challenges with people who are passionate and they know they've got a purpose and they're very driven and they're talented often is that often from the financial point of view, and I know that was my experience before we had breakthrough, is that you haven't actually tasted and felt and seen what it feels like to have money. So you get conditioned to being poor or you could get conditioned Mm -hmm. to things being hard. So learning how to, to move out of that into this place. And the thing that is so amazing to me is when people start to share their real story I mean, you, what people can overcome, what the human spirit is capable of is just so amazing. I mean, people can do anything, really, it, especially in adversity. So let me ask you some more questions. Will,
1: real quick, Louise, to that point, we yeah. all have we all have a comfort level. Yes. Uh, we all have a comfort level in relationships. We all have a comfort level in finances. I, I'll give you a good example. Like um, I mentioned, I moved 13 times in my first 14 years of life. Wow. And prior to the age of, let me do the math, prior to the age of 32, when we moved into our house, I'm 43 now, prior to the age of 32, I'd never lived in the same place more than three years. Gosh. About four years into living in this house, this is as close to our dream house as we possibly could have imagined when my wife and I got married, you know, uh, now 15 years ago. Um, I mean, it, it's got land, you know, we've got a couple of acres, but we're, we're only five minutes from everything. You know, we're, we're, we're less than seven minutes from all of our favorite restaurants, stores, shopping, everything, right? Uh, we're in an area of the town that's, that's, that's growing. And so our property value has gone up almost 100% since we moved in all the good things like we love this property we live on a freaking zoo practically we have animals <laughs> left and right like we have today earlier today our son was like there's the groundhog and he's like running across the yard little, little chubby little thing just going across we have, we have, a, <laughs> we have a creek that runs there we have deer in the back you know deer. all these things like a, a tons of different squirrels and birds and plants and all kinds of stuff it's, it's what we dreamed of. Like my yeah. daughter wakes up every day. I, I grew up in a tra- like I, said, I grew up mostly in trailer parks. So I grew up looking at the side of another trailer. My yeah. daughter wakes up every morning, overlooks a pond and this beautiful trees. And it's just this amazing property. But about seven years ago, after being here about four years, I started getting really antsy. Uh huh. I wanted to move. And I, and I started to find, find everything I could wrong with this house. Hmm. Why does that plug not work? Oh, it's because this house sucks. No, it's because the wiring went out. The house is 22 years old. The wiring got messed up. You know, oh, this the the floor is creaking. That's because this house is a piece of junk. No, it's because the house is 22 years old and sometimes floors settle, you know, And, and I started finding fault with this house. And then I was able to connect the dots and go, oh, my gosh. It's because I'm comfortable moving 13 times in four years.
0: Yeah. I'm not
1: comfortable staying in the same place. And so the same thing is true with us financially. Whatever the number is, we have, you know, T. Harv calls it a financial thermostat. Yeah, We have a thermostat. And I know for me and our business that I got, for, for me, just, you know, the number has gone up, but I keep hitting these plateaus with our, like, all of a sudden things are going really well. And I'm like, you know, I'll throw a hand grenade into the mix. Like, Oh, let's go buy a company, you know, and, and we'll go buy a company. And then it turns out to be a disaster. Why? Cause I didn't do my due diligence. And it was almost like I was looking for an excuse to throw away half a million dollars. Yeah,
0: Sabotage. yeah, You
1: know? Yeah. And so we, we self-sabotage. And so that's an important thing. Like when we can recognize those, I know we're getting a little bit off track here, but like, those are those things that we don't realize from a comfort standpoint, how comfortable we are with whatever it might be. And so for me, when I first started my business, I write about this in the book, like, this is the key. If you think that, you know, if you're going to be passionate about what you're doing and you're going to create content. So it's, you know, if, whether it's to yeah, the guy who did the audio book of, um, version of my book, he emailed me the other day and said, you know, I just want to let you know, like most of the books I read, he's a, he's a voiceover guy. He does 50 audio books a year. And he's like, I forget most of them three days later. But Mm. he said, yours has stuck with me. What he wants to do. He wants to help Christian men who struggle with pornography. That's his calling. That's his passion. But he was like, I never, he's like, I never saw a way to make money doing that because he had the belief because of how he grew up his comfort level that if you were going to do something like that, it could only be a what? A ministry. Yeah. It could yeah. only be something that you made the bare minimum and you know you, you right. barely paid the bills and you had to be a struggling, starving artist or a missionary to have an impact on the world. And that's just not true.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so when
1: we have that belief, whatever it is like, oh, I need to be a starving artist, uh, news flashed. most of the successful artists weren't starving. They were actually incredibly wealthy you know? And so we see that though. And when we break that mindset, believe that's what the first couple of chapters are all about is like breaking those limiting mindsets. Say you have to choose between passion and profit. You either have to love what you're doing and barely survive financially or make a ton of money, but hate what you're doing. It doesn't have to be that way. While that's where most people live, most people live in those two extremes, Yeah. You get to choose that middle path, which is, you know what? I'm going to love what I'm doing. I'm going to be passionate about what I'm doing every day. I'm going to make a difference on the world. I'm going to have an impact on people. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. And you know what? I just might make a lot of money doing it. And that's really cool because that means I get to keep doing it for the long term rather than burn out five years into it and give up.
0: Absolutely. And this this is not off track. This is totally on track because you know, I know that what what I've experienced is when I started to actually be completely uncontained as in sharing the prophetic gifting I have as well as the commercial, I started to find my flow and my river and my vertical mm. plot line. And so the whole con- con- conversation around mindset and around money is so, so relevant because we've been trained to think like slaves in society. And mm-hmm. if you're a middle class Uh, Person, you get trained to think like a slave, and so this whole rewiring and redefining what does it look like to to be able to create money, create freedom, but still do what you love, is so now. It's a now word. It's for now this season. And I agree with you. With uh, I met, I went over to the states for seven weeks last year. It was an amazing trip. You're in Nashville, aren't you?
1: I'm not. No, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
0: Oh, okay, cool. I'll have to visit you next time because I had the most amazing time. But what I love about uh, Americans is this underlying um, foundation of freedom. It's in it's in your DNA. And and I just love that. I get very drawn. I work with a lot of people in the US because um because there's there's this amazing ability to look at look at what's ahead and look at the future and create it and I love that freedom that sense of freedom about doing that so um so this is such a good story and you mentioned content Um, so I know that one of the questions I have for you is is like there's a lot of content out there and you talked about you know deciding which way you want to go with your system and your method uh tell me a bit more about that like what are some of the ways that we can create content that's going to cut through into sales because there's too many choices about how to go with things. What would you recommend is the best way? And there probably isn't one same way for everyone, right? Because it's got to suit your style and your personality, but in your experience, because you've been successful in getting noticed and getting out there, what is, what have you discovered in all the, with all the people you've worked with as well as being the best way to leverage and steward the time and the content that you have so that it converts into sales and leads.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing starts, and this is all the way in in step 10, and I do not recommend step, skipping ahead in the book. I've had a lot of people, you know, text me, like my, my number to text me is in the book um, and things like that, you know, and ask me questions. And I'm like, you know, yep. Cover that in step eight. You're they're on step four. I'm like, do not skip ahead though. You know, it's just, there, there's a sequence that, you know, everything yeah. builds on the next thing. But in step 10, I talk about it. You need to spend more time promoting your content than you do creating it, you know, five times yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, most people, they'll put 10 hours into writing a blog post and they'll spend an hour and a half, you know, promoting it.
0: Yeah. That makes and sense. Like,
1: you know, it's, think about a book, um, I mean, I spent, this, this is my, this is my mag, you know, my magnum opus, right? I mean, I spent between writing it and working with the editors and everything else, I probably spent 200 hours. Yeah. You know, all that. I've probably spent 600 hours to 700 hours promoting it. They don't call mm-hmm. it a best written, you know, New York times, wall street journal, USA today do not have a best written book list.
0: Mm-hmm. Here are the
1: 10 best written books last week. What do they have? A bestsellers sellers list. Yeah. Best sellers. It's the marketing. Now, does that mean you go write a piece of crap book? No. You know, I spent 200 hours. I spent five, the equivalent of five full work weeks writing and, and tweaking the book.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, because yes, we had, you know, four editors that, the, that my publisher brought on, but I was still involved in that process. So it was a significant amount of time. Spend yeah. more time promoting the biggest thing with content. Um, this is also in step three. I talked about the five attention triggers. Yeah. And your content has to tap into those attention triggers. These are, you know, psychological principles. These are things I learned about my freshman year of college at the University of Tennessee, you know, where I, I took a psychology 101 class and I remember learning about these principles. Yeah. There's pattern disrupt. So disrupting a pattern, like a, a, a great, uh, what is it? I wrote this down. Uh, gosh, I wrote down a podcast title and I'm like, I can't remember. I have it in my notes here somewhere. That's one of my podcasts is coming up like three months from now. And I was like, that is a pattern disrupt if I've ever heard one. Oh, why you shouldn't hire me to run your affiliate program. You mentioned okay. it earlier, we, we run affiliate, but this is why I have an yeah. agency. Yes. And I have an entire episode called Why You Shouldn't Hire Me. Ah. And you would think, oh, that's just going to be a sales pitch for your agency. Actually, no, it's not.
0: Okay, It is not
1: a sales pitch. It's an entire episode about why you should not hire us. Now, if you fall into certain categories, you should and yada, yada, yada. It's not a backward sales pitch. It's It's actually talking through like, here's who should not hire us and yes. why they shouldn't hire us and how to do it a different way early on. And so not make the mistake that most people make, which is like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to go hire somebody. No, that's not the way this works. So that's a pattern disrupt because the pattern is, well, Matt has an agency and works with some of the best people in affiliate marketing. I think he would want us to hire him. Not if you fall into 95% of the population. We only want the 5%. Yeah. So things like that pattern disrupts, you know, why, you know, why such and such is wrong why this food is healthy actually healthy for you wait that's not normal even pattern disrupts within like your own content you know um if you typically email out monday wednesday friday at 10 a.m eastern and then you send an email on a tuesday night that's a pattern disrupt yeah so think about that how can you disrupt the pattern or an expectation uh reward you know is is a great trigger rewarding your audience um You know, there's tons of ways in the book to do that, but just giving them some sort of a reward is a way that like catches their attention. It takes them out. Prestige is one. Um, You know, there's a, I talk about the study done years ago that uh, like ads that would have actors who play doctors on television. They would come on and they would endorse a product and they would not say I'm a doctor, but they were, they were wearing the white coat yeah this, this yeah. was so impactful that they actually passed laws here in the united states that prohibited them from impersonating somebody they weren't even if they played a oh, character wow. you know and so there's there's ways around it and stuff but that white coat is a prestige symbol it's a it's not just a status symbol it is an expert it's it's a signal that you take that white coat coat plus a, a stethoscope around somebody's neck and even if you know well, that's george clooney he's an actor psychologically we cannot get past the white coat and stethoscope yep. We cannot do it mm. so that's an attention trigger it automatically draws people in uncertainty is an attention trigger if the title leaves kind of plants a seed but leaves some uncertainty well that's an attention trigger if if you want attention uh if you want to get people to watch two of your videos Leave them hanging at the end of the first one. Mm. Mm. We know this growing up. Growing up, now that we can binge on Netflix, does anything ever say "to be continued" at the end? No. (laughs) Why? Because I'll just flip the next episode on and watch the first five minutes and find out what happened. Yeah. Now, at the end of a season, though, there are cliffhangers. Yeah. And even with like, my my wife and I are huge fans of Stranger Things on on Netflix. Don't judge me. That's our show. That's our show. And there's cliffhangers at the end of a season. But growing up, we always had to be continued, dot, dot, dot. That's right. And what did you do for the next seven days with all your friends? You talked about the, are they going to get together? Is this going to happen? I'll bet that guy's the killer. And we would talk about it all week long. What was that show doing? It was captivating us. It had our attention for a week. And you can bet that the following week, you know, back when you had to show up on time to watch TV, you know, you had to, you had to turn it on. At the time. That show came on at 730. We were ready. We had gone to the bathroom. We had our snacks. We had our spot on the couch at 727. And we watched the last minute of the one show and then the commercials because we were not going to miss a second of that show. That's attention.
0: And the last one is
1: just recognition. If there's a way for somebody in your content to go, that's me, that's Mm. for me, attention, you know, so-and-so, that's me. Sometimes it's even their names, like on, you know, I want to, I want to catch people's attention on a webinar. I have a list of all the people who are on, on one of my monitors and I can, I can provide examples and I can say, Luis, have you ever thought about such and such? And it shows me like who's chatting and who's commenting, yes. and I know that the people who are commenting are the most likely to buy, for one. And so I mention their names, and I and I ask for examples. I'm like, hey, I'm going to share an example here. I want a real life example. What's your niche? And somebody somebody will put, well, my niche is, or uh, who's your target audience? And they say, I help um, overworked nurses. You know, great overworked nurses. That's our example. What have I done? I've recognized that person whose niche is overworked nurses versus just coming up with a niche out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can just uses. as easily do. But now that one person at least is going, oh my
0: goodness, he recognized me. He used yeah, my yeah. niche. How cool is that?
1: Those so, are those five attention triggers you want to they utilize. They amazing.
0: In. So good. Because I feel like a lot of people think that the way that they're going to get attention is just to be, you know, aligned with someone who's already well-known, but there's so much more to it, isn't there? And I love those examples. We used to have an ad uh, here... And it's like, this is Rob, the dentist. I don't know if you, you <laughs> guys had it had it over there. And he had his back to you and he's wearing his coat, you know, and he's cleaning his teeth. It was for toothbrush. And uh, you never saw his face. And uh, that ad still sticks in my mind all these years later. And it is all those triggers. So um, I, I love that. That's also, you know, what I'm hearing, Matt, as you're telling me more and more about the book, just the fact that not only are they very succinct and powerful messages that you're, that you're sending but you've actually got some really practical application and i feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times with books um i think that that resonates with me because i like to take the idea and help people to execute it not just to make it an, a book about ideas and so you've yeah. gone ideas to execution all parts of the brain and 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 allows people to see how they can make it work for themselves so that's that's awesome so yeah there's
1: there's ideas there there's there's strategies there's There's examples, but there's also stories, you know, in the stories like, you know, when I talk about Alan Thomas, you know, losing 129 pounds in nine months and becoming a weight loss coach. The point of that story is that you, I use Alan's story as an illustration. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be an expert. You can just have your own experience. And that makes you an expert, a perceived expert. If I don't tell that story and I just say, you don't have to have a degree, you just need to, you know, blah, 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 then it's like, uh, okay. But when I tell Alan's story, you go, oh, gosh, that worked for Alan. I see that actually happening in Alan's life. That I I get it now and it clicks and I've had so many people, you know, tell me that was the story that got things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the brain loves stories too. And people love stories because they remember that people people. people
1: remember Alan's story. Yeah. It's the longest story in the book. They will remember that. I'll give you another example, Louise. Step four is all about converting visitors into subscribers. Right. And we talk about how to, we can, I can share this, but we talk about how to create a lead magnet. Yeah. And I can give you all the strategies in the world. And I talk about how, you know, a lead magnet. You got to provide a quick win. You know, we want to, we want to grow our email list. I share the reasons why you want to grow an email list, all that stuff. But I talk about how you got to provide a quick win. And I talk about how you need to provide a solution to pain. And I illustrate that by like saying, imagine you have a friend that's in pain that they come to you and their back is just, it's, it's, it's excruciating pain. Hmm. And you hand them a PDF with 37 exercises and stretches to do over the next six months. They will hate you. Yeah, You will not be their friend anymore. Yeah. They want an ibuprofen. They want the pain to go yes. away today. Yeah. Think of your lead magnet like that. And mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine, I wrote this book for mostly beginner to intermediate online you know, business or people who want to start an online business, who want to turn their passions and profits. I did not write this for seven figure business owners. All right, just to be clear. But yeah. I have a friend of mine that is, he, he's about a 2.4, $2.5 million a year business. And he read the book just because he's my friend. That's the only reason he read it. He was just like, I was kind of curious about how you wrote the book.
0: Yeah.
1: He said, I got to step four and I heard what it was about. And I'm like, you're talking about lead magnets. And I'm like, I get it, I get it, I get it. You know, these are all things that I already know, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't learned anything at all. And then I tell the story of my dad. And I talk about how my dad never had a lead magnet. Or never never owned a computer, never got on the internet a day in the, his life. Passed away in two thousand five. My dad was a golf instructor, and I felt like he had the best lead magnet of all time. And I talked about how my dad, as a golf instructor, would walk up and down the practice tee, and he would look for somebody in pain—not physical pain, like "ow, my back hurts." But they were—they'd hit a shot, and oh, dang it, and they'd hit another shot, and they would a stupid game, and they'd hit their club on the ground, and he'd go up, and he would say. Hey, uh, can I, can I help you out for a moment? And they'd say, yeah. And he spent five minutes with that person. He would give them one tip, mm-hmm. not 27 tips, yes. not 17 yes. things you could do. This is not the, how do you swing a golf club broken down into every step that's going to get you on the PGA tour in 12 years. No, this is, I, 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 you're hitting the ball 65 yards, right? Let me do one thing that will help you hit it a little bit better. Mm. One tip. One thing they could do that's going to move the needle the most, they'd hit a few shots. They were so much better. They would turn them and go, That's the best shot I've hit in months. How do I sign up for more golf lessons?
0: Yeah. Great.
1: Tell them a golf instruction package. My friend, $2.4 million your business. He said, I took that chapter. I went to my team. I followed the rules. You said I told them the story about your dad. And I said, This is what a lead magnet is. Ours are too complicated. They re-engineered their lead magnets one day because they had they had four lead magnets and I have a three-hour rule. It should not take you more than three hours to create a lead magnet. He said, we're doing two hours, two hours on each. They redid all four of their lead magnets. Overnight, their opt-in rate went up over 40%.
0: Wow. And that would
1: not have happened if I just listed a bunch of things that you have to do and a bunch of rules. He said, it was that story of your dad that it, it changed something in his process of thinking going, that's what a lead magnet is. And they they shifted overnight
0: and, and were able to improve their opt-in rates. That, that's so, that's very helpful. And even though I know you've written the book for startups, like even as someone who's been in business for 30 years, uh, I mean, I'm hearing some, it, some cut through things that you're saying that I hadn't heard before, for sure. So I feel like it will be relevant for for many six, seven figure entrepreneurs as well. Because like you said, there's just one little one little thing that you can change that can make 100% of difference, right? So that, that's awesome. So let me ask you a bit about uh, affiliate marketing because um, I know that you're the affiliate guy, right? You're the go-to guy um, to use affiliate marketing to monetize. And so I'd love to know more about you know how does how do people get started with affiliate marketing and 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 what are the keys about affiliate yeah. marketing that you that you help people with that that makes them get the growth and the breakthrough that they're looking for? Sure. You know the first step
1: is just to to understand that it does not serve your audience for you not to monetize. It goes back to some of the mindset stuff we talked about yeah. earlier. When you start monetizing, you're not selling out. When you start monetizing, you're you're not becoming greedy. You're, you know, shift the way you think, like you earning money allows you to continue. It allows you to fund the business. It allows you to keep going. And so early on, we basically have two options. Number one, we think create a product. Number two, give away content indefinitely. Neither one of those is a good option. We don't want to create a product early on because we don't even know what our audience wants. That's right. We're going to probably create a product that doesn't sell very well. We're going to suck at selling. We're still getting our, you know, our sales, like our sea legs under us. Instead, we start doing affiliate marketing, which allows us, and I'll talk through some of the advantages, but it allows us to start monetizing early on. So this is about mindset. Like how you view making money from your passion ultimately is what determines how much money you make and how much of an impact you can have. True. So many people preach early on, like you should give, 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 content, content, content. Don't ever ask for a financial transaction. That's what sets you up for that burnout. Yeah. All right. So we want to get past that. We want to get past that. There's a declaration in the book throughout the book. I have declarations that I encourage people to make, like say them out loud, write them down, repeat them, you know? And one of them is I run an online business and businesses make money. Yeah. And that's the thing, yeah. like businesses make money. That's what businesses right. do. If you want to have a hobby blog, a hobby podcast, go right ahead. I don't care, but that's not a business. And so one of the reasons I love affiliate marketing is that affiliate marketing bridges the gap between making nothing at all and having selling nothing at all and and having nothing to sell. Yeah, You know, if you have nothing to sell, then you're going to sell nothing, but now it gives you something to sell. So we start doing affiliate marketing. There's a few things that this advantage is that this gives us. Number one, you get to monetize immediately. Um, I can tell you in your first month or two, if you make even $10, it's, infinitely better, not just mathematically, but psychology than zero.
0: Yes, If
1: you make $10 in your first month, I promise you, you can make a hundred in your second. And I assure you, you can make 500 in your third and a thousand in your fourth. Most businesses, most platforms, YouTube channels, blogs, podcasts, you know what they're making in their fourth month? Zero.
0: Yeah. They're still yeah. zero.
1: They're yeah. still in zero. You've already made $2,000 or 1500 or 1200 or whatever. You are light years ahead. There's a, we often say this in our business, zero doesn't scale well.
0: <laughs> and I
1: talk about this with, oh, with, with clients all the time. Like we'll, <laughs> we'll bring on a new client and we'll do their first promotion 30 days later. Here's the reason we tell them we do that first promotion 30 days later because we used to do it like 90 days in. And we did it because that first promotion will be up. $4,200 promotion. This is a seven figure business starting an affiliate program. The first promotion's $4,200. You go whoop-de-doo. Mm, by the fifth one, we're over a million bucks. Mm, mm. It all goes back to that $4,200 because I can scale 4,200. I can scale yeah. two. I can scale any number. I can scale 56 cents. Yeah. I can't scale zero. So yeah. no, uh, so you get to you get to uh monetize immediately. Number two, you don't have any fulfillment. There's no customer service, there's no hidden costs. You're not paying the people forget we pay three percent every time we have a credit card transaction. Yeah, credit yeah. card transactions when you factor all things in cost us 3.6 percent a year. We go, oh well, 3.6 percent on millions of dollars. Whoop-de-doo. Uh that's the equivalent of one and a half team members I could hire. Yeah. If somehow our credit card processing went away. I could not only employ an entire other person at an above average wage, but I could also keep some of the money and that'd be nice, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Cost, no risk. You're not going to end up with a bunch of product that you can't sell. It teaches you how to sell. That's number five big advantage. Is it teaches you how to sell. So now you begin to practice. You get to practice selling. You get to practice emailing without depending upon your own Product sales and it, it we call it, we call it PTP paid to practice. You get paid to practice. is the best kind of practice there is. Yeah, you know what works for your audience. So you learn. Okay, what are the price points that are you know? Does my audience buy three times more at five hundred than a thousand? Well, if they buy three times more at five hundred than a thousand, you're making more money. But maybe they buy only twenty percent more at five hundred versus a thousand. Well, that means you make more money selling thousand dollar products. Yeah. And Yeah. That you learn the sales strategies, you learn what topics they're going to buy. Do you should I send five emails or send one email and go live? Maybe I make just as much money from going live for an hour yeah. as I from sending five emails. Well, you learn that right when you're doing affiliate marketing, it trains your audience to buy. This is so huge. We talk about this in step nine and step eight conditioning your audience, yeah. Like, Whatever you condition them to do is what they will do. And there's so many other advantages, you know, right down to the final one is it serves your audience. You know, it Mm -hmm. serves your audience because it fills in the gaps. Whether you're starting out and you have nothing to sell, they want to buy something. They want to take the next level and you don't have anything. But as you grow and you have your own products, affiliate marketing fills in that gap. There's an example I use in the book. I call it the affiliate donut. And that the whole of that donut, this is your core offers. This is your one, two, three, four offers that only you are going to offer. You're the best at those. So for us, it's starting an affiliate, starting and growing an affiliate program and affiliate marketing. Everything else, the donut that's outside of that hole, uh, how do you run a membership site? I know enough, but I'm not going to create a product. So we recommend my friend Stu McLaren, and he teaches you how to do that. Um, how do you do this? And how do you do this? How do you build a team? I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff. I'm going to do affiliate marketing and recommend those products. Yeah. So it allows me to serve my audience better because they still they know, like, and trust me. And my recommendation carries weight. So when I recommend a product, they're likely to buy.
0: Yeah. So good. I, I'm thinking as uh as you're speaking, Matt, I'm like, I need to buy five of your books and give them away to, to my clients because. This is so practical and this is what I love about it and uh, and and unique as well. the more you talk about what's in there, I'm like, this is a whole training program and I know it's all coming out of your head. it comes naturally to you. So let mm-hmm. me ask you one more thing about affiliate and then we'll wind up and I want you to share you know where people can find you and um but how do you choose the right affiliate partners? What do you what's your recommendation on that? because I guess you can have a whole lot of people selling your product or referring you, but you want them to be aligned with your brand. Right. So, so what's your recommendation around that?
1: So if you have an affiliate program and this is, you know, for most people, this is much more advanced. Yes. Um, if you have an affiliate program, um, I just, to be brutally honest, we're not too picky, um, provided that, you know, they are ethical and they're going to promote us a lot of times, um, the thing I love about having an affiliate program is it exposes us to audiences that we otherwise wouldn't be exposed to.
0: Yeah,
1: um, we might not be able to profitably target. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, if my if my re, like true target audience this is not true for my business, but if if my like hardcore audience is empty nest, you know empty nester women, so fifty to you know sixty four years old, right? That's our you know females. That's our target audience. Does that mean that nobody 48 years old would buy? Well of mm-hmm. course not. Nah. But it might not be possible to target the mid40s to you know early 40s or late 40s, it might not be profitable because a lot of them aren't good candidates. So yes. how do I profitably target them? Well, I can't. Yes. But if yes. an affiliate promotes the product and they expose me to an audience that's a little bit outside my core audience. I've expanded my reach, yeah. So you go, well, I don't want to. I don't want to work with them because they their audience is a little bit younger than I like. Well, that's a bad attitude, you know. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, we always draw the line at you know things like uh, saying things that are you know just out there, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, if 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 it's racist or something like that, that's that's where we draw the line. But as far as like, do they have to agree with everything that I agree with? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's great. You know, they're some of our, our best affiliates are people who um, we fundamentally disagree about certain things uh, within our businesses, but we agree on this thing. And that thing is that, you know, here's how to start affiliate marketing. So they promote our affiliate marketing course, or we fundamentally agree that you need to start an affiliate program. So here's how to start it. Now, might we disagree about, you know, how to use TikTok? Absolutely. Um, might we disagree about, you know, other stuff? Yep, we, we do. And that's fine. Um, so I think as long as you're in alignment on the core issue of what they're promoting, that's fine. Um, again, as long as they're a good representative. And the thing is 99.9% of the people are. Yeah. There's very few bad apples out there. The bad apples get all the attention. But I mean, I think in, I've worked with over 300,000 affiliates. I think I've probably had to remove 75. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, what, what is the math on that
0: about Yeah.
1: 20th so. of 1%, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, now, do they get all the attention? Absolutely. Did those 75, you know, out of the over a billion and a half dollars that we've done for our clients and our own affiliate program, did they cost us about $200,000? Yeah you guys can do the math. What is 200,000 into one and a half billion? I mean, it, it's not insignificant, but it's not a lot. Yeah. And sometimes it seems like a lot at the time, you're like, Oh my gosh, they cost us $22,000. And it's like, well, in that same stretch, we brought in $114 million, you know, it's yeah. not that yeah. bad.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that gets blown out of proportion a little bit and mm. things like that. But yeah, ultimately what you're looking for is, you know, um, you know, do, do they have a passion to promote you? And if they do, if they have a, a passion to promote you, that's what you, what, regardless of their list size, because I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody that had a list size of 2000 people outperform. We, I talk about this in the book. It's in step nine. How many times somebody, the list of two, 3000 people has outperformed somebody with a list of 50,000 people. Wow! They went all out and promoted like crazy and yeah. they they did. They followed what we teach in the book in step nine about promoting, you know, affiliate offers. So they did amazing, you know, yeah, and that has yeah. happened time and time again. We did a big study about five years ago on this and, and all the results are in the book, like the numbers and stuff. And that's what we found was like they went all in. They, mm-hmm. you know, they, they shifted their mindset to believe, you know what, I've only got 4000 people. I've got only got maybe it's 200 I've heard people so many times, they're like, well, that's a terrible case study. That person made 27,000 with 4,000 people. And I go, and they're like, I only have 400. Okay, divide by 10. Yeah. But make yeah. 2,700. Instead of saying, well, I can't do that. I'm going to make zero. No, go make 2,700.
0: Yeah, that's because right. Because yeah. small
1: audience, it's more intimate. It's more homogenous. The bigger your audience gets, the more outliers you have. Yeah. The smaller your audience, when you're starting out, Some of these people, you have personal relationships with them. You can DM them on Facebook. You can close sales on the phone.
0: Yeah, that's right. I cannot tell
1: you how many people I know have made $10,000 in a day from affiliate marketing because they picked up the phone and called people and they closed them into, you know, they closed sales. Yeah. And you go, well, so-and-so doesn't do that. They have a big audience. They don't do that. Yeah, they got a big audience. You got a small one. You got to hustle sometimes when you're starting out. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, it's all the it's all there, but it's like, yeah, ultimately, that's what it comes down to more than anything is that passion, and do they care about the success of your product?
0: Yeah, and the motivation, and I think like that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is because I thought this is a piece that's going to add value to my audience, and they're going to get something uh, meaningful, powerful, and useful from hearing from you, and also that I'm like. This guy, he's so excited about what he's doing. And it came through that passion. So there was an alignment of values there, which made me motivated to promote, you know, what you're doing. And I, I agree with you. You know, we've had loaves and fishes experiences where we've had 35 people running a challenge. And then we've done like 150K in a day from 35 people, because with the, even though it may have been a smaller number, there was a deeper connection with them a personal connection with them that they resonated more and and I feel like what you're talking about with one of the things that you know we share a lot is like I talk about catching whales six-figure whales and how the whales have their own language and so whales in a pod they call out to each other and they can hear each other across the ocean so you know we say we speak eagle and then when people hear and resonate like what you're speaking about with your story you can have greater results even if it is a smaller amount a number of people so uh this is just so being so powerful amazing thank you so much for coming oh, on my pleasure, the podcast. i'm so excited about about um people being able to read your book and and really growing And and i love what you're talking about even if it's the small things you know being faithful with the little And also that, you know, the reward center of your brain loves it when you have a little success, little fish are good too. You Mm -hmm. don't have to go and try and catch hundred K or million dollar whales straight away. Little fish are good as well. So, so Matt, uh, where can people find you? Where can they get the book? Um, Please share so that.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If
1: they sell books, they sell my book. The best place to get it though, guys, if you go to passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Louise. So passionsintoprofitsbook.com. And I know Louise will put this in the show notes for you guys. Forward slash L-O-U-I-S-E. That is the best place to get the book because we've got over $500 in uh, special bonuses there for you guys. So uh, we've got just a, a ton of extra stuff there. We've got our one of our training vaults. Uh, we've got a huge swipe file of emails. Uh, we've got a, a, a whole couple courses on creating content and affiliate marketing. So that's the best place to get. It. If you happen to see it in the bookstore, because I know it's in at least in the US and somewhat internationally, it's in books in Barnes and Nobles nationwide. If you walk into a bookstore and you grab a copy, uh, then go to that URL and just submit your receipt there, and you'll get all those bonuses. It's like over five hundred, actually five hundred eighty-eight dollars. In uh, in bonuses.
0: That is amazing. Thank you, Matt. I'm going to go looking and seeing if I can find it in a bookstore in Australia. I'm sure it's here somewhere. Might be out at the airport or somewhere. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm coming back to the US again, and uh, I'll have to come and visit you over there. But thank you so much for your time. Uh, all pleasure. of your amazing insight. You're a genius. Uh, I love, I love who you, what you stand for and the way that you work, Matt. And I know that my audience will really get a lot of value from this. And so um, go ahead and get that book. I'm going to buy five of them and give them away uh, because I'm feeling very excited about what you're doing and how you can help people. And uh, thank you so much for coming on our Who Do You Want to Be podcast.
1: Thank you, Luis.